Welcome to Business as an Adventure, a podcast dedicated to improving the businesses and lives of creative entrepreneurs. Together, we interview high-performing entrepreneurs and creatives from all over the world, explore what makes them and their business unique. And along the way, we uncover their secrets to help you craft your own adventure in the world of business. All right. So our guest today is Rakita Henderson. Rakita is an amazing photographer from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, my Canadianness, I had to Google where, which state St. Louis was in, but we got there. Um, and she is focused on making the invisible visible, which I love. She is an ally, an activist, a tried and true voice for black people, women, people of color, and LGBTQ plus people. She believes in that intolerance does not belong in weddings and events and understands that each unique individual is unique and honors the difference of all people. She is an absolute force to be reckoned with, a presence you have to feel to believe, and possibly one of the best huggers on the planet. Um, some more about her in her own words from her website. She is fly jeans and Twitter. She is social justice and social media. She is pixie sticks and Bissingers. I'm not sure what that is. She's Chuck Taylors, which I know, and Red Bottoms. She has Nerf guns and 2D fighter games and so many more things. I have to personally say that I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. She was one of the first names that Angie and I both said when we started talking about who we wanted to be on here. So without further ado, the amazing, the beautiful, the talented... Rakita Henderson, welcome to the show. Thank you. I should have you introduce me everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I want Dave just to follow me around and introduce me to new groups of people. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, everybody needs a hype man, right? I so. mean, yeah. Yes. For sure. Bissinger's is a chocolate company here in St. Louis. Okay. Uh, and it's like high-end, like, bougie-ass chocolate. It's like, you it's know, like 40 chocolate. bucks a pound, 50 bucks a pound chocolate. Damn, like, um, I used to use it to make cheesecake. Change your life, man. Change your life. I feel like it. ignorance is bliss on that, though. Like, I don't know if I want to have that cheesecake because other, all other cheesecake will be bullshit from there on out. Pretty much how my husband feels about it. He's very, he was mentioning, he and my mother were lamenting that I haven't made that cheesecake in 10 years. And they're like, this is some bullshit. How do we end up here? I'm like, <laughs> I had three kids. <laughs> got time for that shit yeah they can make the cheesecake like now i ordered that shit i'm like right like who like who's got time for that like people without kids (laughs) ding 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 and business i I don't have kids and i don't have time to make cheese i'm just saying I, I also have to back up the fact that Rakita is one of the nicest people on the planet because she literally is mailing me Girl Guide cookies or Girl mm-hmm. Scout cookies because there's there's types of cookies that you guys get in the States that we don't get up here. Like we get two types of Girl Guide cookies, like one in the spring and one in the fall, and that's it. What kind do you get? There's like a chocolate and vanilla pack that are kind of like Oreos that you, okay. get, you get in like the wintertime. And then in like the like late summer, you get like thin mints. So they're like a, a chocolate covered minty cream filling cookie. Wow, but that's, that's it. that's a sad life. That's it. And but so you get like, them I twice see all these year. like Samoas or whatever and things like yeah. you guys are getting in the States. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I sent you some Samoas and a shortbread and a lemonade and a, did I send you, I might have sent you a uh, um, peanut butter patty. But they don't call them that anymore. They're tagalogs now. I didn't. Yeah, they're called tagalogs, but I didn't send those. I didn't buy those. Um, I bought. Those are good. For, but I put them in the freezer like, though. Yeah. So I usually buy thin mints and put them in the freezer, mm-hmm. and like they're perfect in the summer. You just mm-hmm. like, you freeze those. Back they away. last until the summer for you. You are. And you have to man. hide them. And then forget them. where you put them. You see, we get so, those in the summer, so we've got see, that. Y'all looked out. out. At least. See, <laughs> I have. So my studio is my she shed. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that commercial with mm-hmm. um, 
uh, Sheila and her she shed that caught on fire. My studio is my she shed. And so it has a refrigerator and I can hide things there that my children have no problem. People are like, how do you keep gummy bears? I keep them at the office. Like, <laughs> like my office is it. I have a very large array of whiskey and and wine and, and beverages at my office. I love it. That's the way to do it. Home is not for you. Yeah. When we had a studio, <laughs> we had a separate studio fridge for that exact reason. Exactly. It's like, these things are for, for clients and for special occasions and for, uh, like, that's it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, I, I say this for the clients for tax purposes, but for, <laughs> it's all for me. Like, oh, the number of things that are for tax purposes are my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so, Angie, it is Pinksit. Because Angie and I were talking about the, the, the brand name. And then, uh, Rakita, can you explain, because Angie wasn't on the call before, what that means? Because I think it's beautiful. It's Latin for he or she created. So Pinksit photo is she created photos. Oh, that is clever. I really like that. Uh, it's been my quote-unquote business name since I was 19, and I'm 44. So previously it was Pinksit Visual Entertainment because I was a poet and a graphic designer and all this visual stuff. So it was visual entertainment. And then when I stopped doing poetry and um, visual art and which just to photography, we switched it to Pinksit Photo. And that was like in 2008. 2008. So you're like a lifelong entrepreneur. Sort of. Um, I come, My mom has been, like my whole life, my mom was, uh, she has that hustle gene. Like when I was a kid, she sold Tupperware and baked cakes on Valentine's Day and like did all these different things to make ends meet when I was a kid. So it it was just part of our existence, part of our life. And then as a kid growing up, it because it was such a regular part of my world, it didn't occur to me that that could just be your job. Like, <laughs> I, like I thought you had to hate eight hours of your day and then go do whatever you wanted to do. Like, I just assumed that that's what life was. And then I met my husband, who was like, you know you could just do that for a living. You don't have to do the thing you hate. You just do that. I was like, get out of here. Nobody's going to pay me for that. Like, at that point, I wasn't even being paid for photography. Like, I had been shooting weddings since I was 14. And I met my husband when I was 22, 23. And so I had been shooting weddings for free for, like, a decade. Like, literally, full-on, hardcore whole ass weddings and I shot them in what is now termed as photojournalism because nobody told me what to do they were like go take pictures and I was like okay they gave you 10 rolls of film in a tuxedo and sent you on your way and then at the end of the day they'd be like well give me the film and then they would go develop it and that was it I was a kid like this is what they told me to do I did what I was told I remember it was probably 2007 I went to go see Dennis Reggie at like a uh, not mixer or whatever in St. Louis. He was like, I invented photojournalism photography. And I was like, I was doing that shit when I was 12. But that's the thing. <laughs> to have been a fly I, on the wall during that conversation. I was, he was <laughs> like, yes, I've been doing it since the 70s. I was like, oh, I was born in the 70s. It was a wild, <laughs> that was a wild day. But yeah, I was like, eh, I didn't know any better. Like, it's, a, it's amazing the things that you kind of teach yourself and learn when you don't know any better. And I just didn't know any better. Like, nobody told me you're not supposed to lay under the bride and groom's hands during the ceremony. Like, that was a thing. I was like, literally, they were like, do whatever you wanted. 
and I did for 360 frames if they bought me 36 exposure rolls like just rock out my dad bought me a a Pentax K1000 and I ran that bad boy into the ground <laughs> yep I didn't get a digital camera um, until probably 2006 or 2007 was that a big shift for you moving into digital oh um, no it was slow because the the those opening consumer digital cameras were garbage and like they were just garbage like i remember having a sony that you put a cd in and it burned the picture onto the cd like i like i remember taking pictures and popping in a floppy disk to get the like that's like that was your memory card with a floppy disk like which kids now just call the save icon you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> I keep floppy disks in my office to be like, you're asking me for digital files, and in 20 years, you're going to look at that USB the way we look at this floppy disk. Like, it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. So digital wasn't important to me until, like, I got my first digital SLR, and my husband bought it for me when um, when we had our first kid, because he was so sick of taking rolls of film to be developed. He was like we can't afford this. Like, he was like, it's cheaper for me to spend this thousand dollars than it is for me to keep buying you film. So, mm-hmm. he bought me a, a Nikon D300 with my first digital, like my first hardcore digital camera. And I was like, oh, this is different. It's like, oh, I could do something with this. And like, he, he complains all the time. He said, you didn't cry when I proposed marriage, but you did cry when I gave you your first digital SLR. <laughs> What's up with that? It's like priorities, man. That D300 was a game changer, though. Wasn't like, it I though? remember when I got mine coming off of like old cool Pix cameras and exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, whoa, this is it. Oh, yeah. So, like, I shot my first digital weddings on that thing. Well, let me take that back. I did shoot one wedding on one of those bad boys with a floppy disk. But the rest of them I shot on the D300. And, like, I had already had a copy of Photoshop and was using Photoshop because I did graphic design work. You know, I was all excited about being able to actually use Photoshop for photos. Novel. And, like, kind of rode rode into it that way. But I feel like digital kind of... It took me a while to really grasp onto the idea of what digital was allowing me to do. And then kind of pivot and run with it. But, like, I'm really the kind of person that somebody has to say, hey, ding, 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 look at that. Oh, okay. And my husband is usually that person for me. He's always like, did you think about this? Like, oh, let me go over there. (laughs) Which makes our marriage hilariously fun. (laughs) I love all your posts on Facebook about your marriage and the things you overhear that Jerry says. Oh, my God. Our life is, is... I could not have built a better person to be married to or a marriage to live in. I I don't know what I thought marriage was going to be, but it is so much, this is so much better than I thought it was going to be. So he is literally the best $25 I ever spent in my life. I met him on match.com. <laughs> That's great. This is, you should write match.com. It's like, I got the best ad copy for I'm you. Ever. The best money I ever spent. Shoot. So I want to circle back to something that you had mentioned earlier when when Jerry told you that you could do that for a living. So you're a mom with teens. Do your kids 
have a different perspective of like what is possible for a career path and things like that now because i see kids like want to be youtubers or want to be streamers or want to be artists or tiktokers or whatever i wish they did more like my daughter my my children i feel like the things that are important to me have become important to my kids in a lot of different ways Um, my oldest daughter wants to be involved with women's maternal health her big dream is to be either a um, OBGYN or a midwife or or something in that world so that she can help lower the maternal death rate for black women. Mm-hmm. Like that is her big thing. And so I did not expect that I was going to be raising children who wanted to be doctors. Like I just, no, I, I assumed that they were going to be like, we're going to be hippies and like, you know, track all over Europe, and we'll be back, and maybe we'll pick up a job somewhere along the way. I never expected, like, I feel like your children always do the exact opposite of what you expect them to do. So Mm -hmm. the fact that she wants to be a doctor should not be a surprise to me uh, in any sort of way. Like, okay, whether she ends up being a doctor or a nurse practitioner or midwife, uh, I just want her to be happy. And that is kind of the thing that I beat home to my children, like, I want you to do your best and I want you to be happy. I want you to make choices that are about you choosing a path that lets you flex and be your very best self in whatever it is you want to do and that you're happy in that. And if you can do that, the money will come. Like I'm a firm believer that money comes. Like money is not a goal. It's a not a response. It's a um, reaction to happiness. Like if you can be happy, the money you need will find you. I'm I'm not worried about the money part. Where I'm also the strange mom who's like, you don't have to move out when you turn 18. All this stuff. Like, I mean, I want you to want to go, but if you need to be here, there will always be a space for you here. And my husband and I are trying to decide what to do in our home currently. And I was like, as long as whatever we decide to do, the kids have a space here, then we can do whatever that is, as long as we have left them with a home base. He's like, you can't downsize? I'm like, no, this is the downside. This is it. We're just not going to buy bigger. Which is- <laughs> yeah. You know, the, one of the kids moves out full time. Jerry can build a and d room. It'll be all good. Yeah, that's what, like, I think that's what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't like, show him the room that's next to me right now. <laughs> oh, his, his, uh, our neighbor friend, um, Tom, um, which is, my favorite thing that he has a friend named Tom, so I can call them Tom and Jerry. Like, it's my favorite thing ever. Like, I just bought a Jerry package. That's awesome. I'm like, you are now Jerry the Mouse forever to me. And it's funny because they are completely built like he's cute and round like a little mouse, and Tom is super tall like a cat. I'm like, it's perfect. <laughs> but Tom has his entire basement. It's like D&D out. So if he wants some D&D, he can go over to Tom's house. Yeah, that's fair. Do that. Yeah. So when did you you had mentioned like you were shooting weddings for free or shooting doing like when did the business part of Pinksit become a business? Two thousand seven is when we had the round and round about it. I went to culinary school for um, a year and went and took some photography classes at like a community colleges business courses so I could figure out what I wanted to be when I grow up. And um, 
halfway through it, Jerry was like, I've gained, you brought home 70 scones this week, and I've gained 20 pounds, so this is not going to work. And it's not what you want to do anyway. <laughs> um, what you really want to do is be a photographer. I was trying to wait for you to come to this magical realization, but you're slow. And I don't have the wait for you to wait. So, no. So, in 2007, I was like, we could do this. I opened a studio. like, And in my head, becoming a photographer and running a photography studio meant getting a storefront. So, in 2008, I went and got a storefront. And I was like, we're going to sell albums and wall prints and stuff. And I literally ordered samples of everything. Like, I spent every dime I had like to get this set up and jumped off the cliff. That was in 2008. We rocked for a whole year where I was literally putting in 40 hours at the office and then 40 hours at the studio. Um, I worked for a phone company and during the day. Like, I worked at the earliest shift that I could work there. So, like, I worked there from, like, 6 to 2.30. And then I would get off and go and be a photographer from 3 to 10. And, like, that was my every day, Monday through Friday. And after a year, he was like, so um, you're doing well enough that you could stop one of them. Like, you're making, you're not making quite what you're making in your day job, but you're close. And I could, like, we could balance it out. We could, you know, ramen a couple days a week and be fine. Like, we could do this. You should quit. And it took him and my then boss and one of my coworkers a couple months to convince me to quit. And they convinced me that it, like, she was like, you got a year before your job won't be here. Like, that company, if you gave them two weeks notice and you left under good graces, you could reapply without losing, like, your vested interest in all the, you know, your 401k and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you could do it. Like, you could spend a year. She was like, I'll give you all the great referrals you need to be able to come back. And I was like, okay. I sobbed in her office. She was like, give me, like, like holding my two-week notice in my hand. And she was like, you have to let the letter go. (laughs) (laughs) And I quit in August of 2009 and have never been back. That's awesome. What I mean, what a great, I I had a similar boss do the same thing for me where all my vacation time was gone every year for weddings. And I was like in negative hours and working overtime to make up the difference and everything. And, And my boss is just like, Shit or get off the pot, man. Like you right. do, you're doing this thing. Right. You're you're clearly successful because you're spending all of your vacation time working. Right. Like it's time to go. And it's and same thing. Go. It's like you can come back if it like if it doesn't work out, you can come back. But I wish everybody had bosses like that. Yeah. Well, my boss is her husband. Quit his like six figure job to open a guitar repair shop, and she was like, "If I stood behind that dude while he did that." You can do this. <laughs> He's like a guitar repair shop. Whose dream is that? I was like, <laughs> that's fair. She's like, and he's doing it. People's guitars break and they don't go buy new ones. They want to fix them. She said, I was like, oh, I would have just bought a new one. It must be that Midwest work ethic. You know, I think in, in the Midwest, you're really taught to like put your head down and you just work hard. And, do the work. Um, yeah, you, you do what you're supposed to do and you follow this yeah. this really defined career path and um like there is no outside of the box and so then when it times comes time to like close the chapter on one of those it's, it's really hard i'm a terrible yeah. quitter and i blame it on my midwest work ethic <laughs> it's true my grandma worked for the phone not the phone company the uh post office for 30 years and so when i went to college and then came back because money got funny like i only went on half a scholarship 
So the other half I had to come up with. And so I was working three jobs in college trying to make it work. And you can't work three jobs and go to class for 18 hours and think you're going to be successful. That is not a real thing. So um, when I came home, she was like, okay, so what we do is we get a job at a utility. That's a lifelong job. You're young. You, you'll do that for 30 years. You know, you'll retire at 50 and you'll be great. Like that, that was her dream for me. Like hold this union job down until you retire and you're good. And so like she filled out the job, like she filled out the application for my job. I didn't fill it out. She was like, I filled it out and you have an interview on this day. Like is how I got my phone company job. And so like that was, I feel like that's kind of the thing that, and I don't know if it's just Midwestern or if it's middle class, like more so than Midwestern, because I feel like people everywhere have that whole idea that they're supposed to do this thing. Like they're supposed to do a job and do 40 hours and have a picket fence and like make it just enough money to go on vacation once in the summer and maybe have like maybe split a cabin with their family members and like that they can drive to a couple weekends a year that you're describing my childhood all of our vacations were in my dad's hunting cabin exactly up in the upper peninsula of michigan and when we pulled in he'd have to run in and take all the nudie posters off the walls yeah because so that way it didn't scar my little you know five-year-old brain exactly yeah, so. we had a tent trailer and we went to the same campground every year, every year and that was our yeah. thing. And like my dad talked to me out of going to art school and said, go get a job, get a job yeah. job. And then you can, you can do photography on the side, on the side exactly. if you want to. Yeah. And I don't begrudge them that at all, at all. And I find it amusing that like my mom was not a person who ended up in a regular, in a regular job. Like she's a real estate agent, but she's literally done and sold everything in my world from Tupperware to art, like everything. If if there was a multi-level thing for it, she sold it. The only thing she never sold, I think, and she might have as I think about it, because I had some pampered chef that I probably shouldn't have had. <laughs> Maybe. So it, it's a it's an interesting thing to see how different the world is and how different we think about what work should be, especially as we have children who are growing to whatever their new whatever the new thing in the world is going to be like i'm one of those people who think we should have a universal income because like my husband and i were talking the other day and i was like i remember when a bank teller was a great job like you could get that job and like take care of your family and take that one vacation and have that Mm -hmm. those weekend trips and be fine Nowadays, my bank teller is my phone. Like, yeah. I can do all of my deposits. I can do all of my things. And we haven't replaced those. Like, America is a service. America in particular, I believe, is a service-based economy. And we are technology, like, making all of those jobs technology-based. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we can't be a service-based industry. I mean, service-based country without expecting to be able to carry those people who used to carry those jobs yeah ubi is the only answer i think that like i was reading this great article the other day about scandinavia and how it has the most per capita musicians in the entire world because of the socialist welfare system like you're taken care of 
you can you can actually you don't have to be a starving artist if you want to be a musician. I hate that term so much. Starving artist. I know. I'm Me like, too. who the Me fuck too. wants to starve? Because we want to create. What kind of doofus yeah. shit is that? No, oh, like. I want to be a Bissinger's cheesecake. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I want to like enjoy this shit. Full circle. Like, full circle. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it, it's a wild, it's it's a wild ride. Like it's a wild thing. Mm-hmm. My husband just walked past. Me. He's cute. I'm like, oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> So, so when, and I mean, this might have been right from the beginning, but I, I love the line when I went to your website and it was making the invisible visible. Did that, was that right from the get-go or was that an, an evolution of your business? I think it's more of me kind of embracing who I am in my business. I am not like, I am not the best photographer in the world by any stretch of the imagination. Like on a scale of one to 10, I would give myself a solid 7.8 most days. An 8.2 when I'm really on my shit. Like, well, I'm like, when I'm like, oh shit, son, look what happened. That's an 8, maybe an 8.5, maybe. Um, like, I'm not, I'm not a, a, an amazing photographer, but what I am very good at is getting people to be themselves, even though I've got the scary black box with me. Like, I want people to be super comfortable and super okay being themselves with the person that they love like i'm so like it is not an accident that i am a wedding photographer more than i am anything else like i love love i just do i just love love and weddings are like the perfect rom-com living moment it's like a live action rom-com and I get to like never thought of it like that. And I literally, what my job is is to hand them a visual script of how their day went. It's literally to be like, so you remember when Uncle Tony cried right before he tripped over the thing and then tied his tie around his head and did the funky chicken. That's my job. Like, my job is to tell you about like all the things you missed. Like you didn't see your mom crying when you put your dress on because she didn't want to help you because she was too emotional to help you zip it up. But she's off to the left and you're paying attention to the dress but she's paying attention to you my job is to show you how emotional she was in that moment my job is to show you how your friends were super happy for you my job is to give you all the tools so on your worst day you can remember all the love like i tell people all the time your wedding album is good for two things staying married or it's a blunt object you can kill them with one of the two Oh my god! We need to use that as a as a pull out quote. To, to it's a thing. Advertise yeah. it. That's, this the, that's the Instagram headliner, right? Oh there. my god! It is. This is it. Can, either it's going to keep you married, or you have to wipe the blood off. Either one of the two. Yeah. So, are you going to write a book that's like Rakita's one liner? <laughs> I I've long thought about having a podcast or or, or something and. I, I don't know how I'm going to get around to it, but I'm sure I'll get around to something eventually when I get tired of chasing chicks in white dresses, crap. So. There's another one. Eventually. <laughs> uh, I mean, we we always say chick in the white dress wins. We can do anything in the... Like, you can do anything except rob a bank with a chick in a white dress. Oh, yeah. We tell our brides that all anything. the time. It's like, you want to stop traffic because you want to get a photo out there? Anybody will stop a, a woman in a white dress. It. Yeah. They'll, 
They're going to be so excited that they're five minutes late for their meeting be like, because they have a story exactly. to tell. Exactly. They'll be like, oh my God, she was so beautiful. Every time. I'm like, you want to do that? One of my favorite, favorite wedding photos ever. And I'm sad that I can't use it anymore because the couple divorced is that she climbed a, a tank in the middle of a town square. And like there were like numerous do not trespass signs everywhere. So I'm standing there. And she's climbing up and the groom is on like the wheel tread of the tank and he's helping her up and like we're all getting her up there and she's like on the gun. Like arms crossed across the gun. It's the badassest picture ever. And like this cop, he has driven past like three times. And like and I know we're in like the middle of buttfuck nowhere, Illinois. And like I know he's thinking to himself, like, I can't believe he drove past like four times. And now he's thinking, it's a black chick, it's a black guy, and there's a white chick in a white dress. What the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Like, I should be stopping them, but there's a white dressed chick. She's in a wedding dress. And the guy's in a tux. It's clearly their wedding. What do I do with this? Like, the whole time I'm like, the cop's gonna come over here. The cop's gonna come over here. The cop's gonna come. Oh, he's just waving. Okay. Wait. It's like, this is gonna work, guys. Like it, was like, it was like, it was the lead picture on my website until like six months after their divorce was final. I was like, I got to take it down now. Like, oh, no. But I was like, I re-edited it three times. Like as my style changed, I was like, we're going to re-edit this photo. It's going to make it. It's going to last as long as their wedding does. Dude, chicken and white dress can literally do anything. I've, and I only um, draw the line at um, robbing a bank is because I saw that on the news. Like a chick robbed the bank to pay her vendors. Stop. No, seriously. She robbed the bank. It is rom-com stuff. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yes. She robbed the bank to pay her vendors and got caught and never made it to her wedding. Oh, man. She Stupid. did it. She, you rob it after the wedding. She did Come it on. in her dress. No. I was like, who does that? Bad choice. Right. <laughs> She kept she kept reading all of the blog posts about how you can get away with anything when you're in a white dress, and she's like, "Well, let's put it to I'm the test." I'm just saying, if she were weren't in Europe, I would take responsibility for that. But she was in <laughs> Europe, and I don't have a lot of SEO juice in Europe, so right, right. <laughs> so speaking of SEO juice, what I mean, we love to talk business stuff around here. What what works best for you getting getting clients that you love, like your type, like the Pinksit clients? What marketing works best? Honestly, I get a lot of referrals through word of mouth, and not even people who I've worked with per se. My social media presence and persona um, gets me a lot of contact. Like people, I, I'm connected to a lot of people. And I work very hard at being really connected to people. I want people to know that I'm thinking about them. Like, I am the one person in the world that has a hard time going through my 5,000 Facebook friends and removing 100. I have a very difficult time. Like, I'm always like, but I know them. Like, so Midwestern. I know. And I want, like, I want all the friends. I want all the people. Give me the people. I want the people. What's your Enneagram, Rakita? ENFJ. Uh, uh, that's Meyer Briggs. Oh, Meyer Briggs. Oh, uh, I bet I could have guessed that, though. Well, <laughs> my Enneagram is, uh, I put it on my uh, Clubhouse profile so I wouldn't forget. Oh, 
<laughs> I'm horrible at this. Uh, two eight. Two eight. Your helper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, twos. Yeah. Twos, baby. I'm a. I'm a. Um. I'm trying to be less helper focused. My grandmother raised me to be a steward. It was a very. My grandmother's a very pivotal person in my world, and she was. It was a very big thing for her. She told me I had a steward spirit, and she was gonna teach me how to use it. And I was like, okay, grandma. That was her big thing. And so helping people, it has always been my thing. Like, I don't, I hate funerals, but I'll go and and run your free pass for you. Sure, I'll do that. I don't want to go <laughs> do the actual funeral, but I'll make sure, you know, Big Mama got a plate and everybody got some Kool-Aid and the juice and the thing. I do all that. Like, I want to help everybody anytime I can, which is <laughs> exhausting, but <laughs> it's a thing. Then how do you how do you bring that into your into your business and into your brand? I feel like if I can tell if I can show you the truth about who you are as a couple, then I'm helping you. I'm going to help you stay mad. I'm going to help you. Like I am a huge like I said, I adore my husband, and what I want in the world is for everybody to have what we have. Like I want every like I want our marriage to be the worst one in the world, and everybody is like building off of here and going up. I want you to have the best marriage and the best communication and to be able to talk and be with this person and choose them every day. I want you to have it. And I feel like what I do as far as showing people that love on its, on, in its best, whether it's in family photos or birth photos or like whatever it is, if I can show you you at your best, if you can see you the way I see you, then I'm hoping that that will help you do this next thing that you're trying to do. Like, I want you to see how, I want your your kids to see how you look at them when we take family photos. So we're going to do the cute little posy post thing, but we're also going to do some talking so that I can figure out how you guys love and then make you do that and then take pictures of that. And that's the picture I want you to put on as a 40 by 60 on your wall. Not the cute smiley one you thought you wanted. I want the cuddly one on your wall. And the more I feel like I talk about that and I am about that, it makes people stop and rethink the way that they're thinking about their photos and rethinking the way they're thinking about why they're doing it. Like, most people are just thinking, well, we haven't taken a photo. We should take one for prosperity's sake. Fuck prosperity. I want you to do it because these are the people who you adore. Like, I want you to walk in your house and look at that picture and think, man, we had a good time. Or, man, they were perfect at this age. Or, like... They are like, these are the people who are everything to me. And I can see that in this moment and be able to walk happily into your house. My greatest memories as a kid are walking in my grandma's house and seeing our pictures all over her wall. My grandma had a a wall that was like dedicated to her grandbabies. Like it was just us. Your school picture was up there and whatever photo she happened to take that she really liked. That was up there in a little four by six frame. And it was a collage of the people who she adored. And like, and you knew you were in. Like, I knew when somebody was going to be around for a while when she put their picture on the wall. Like, I was like, oh, we keeping him, huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, 
It was a thing. Like when she would make a like a somebody's cousin would come by or something and they would be the new person who's hanging out and their kid would get a school picture and the kid would give a picture to grandma and she would immediately like I don't know if she had like a box of them or what, but she would immediately go in the other room and get a frame and put that baby's picture on the wall. And you watch that kid just light the fuck up. They got put on the wall. Like, that's a thing. Like, the amount of pride you have to feel when somebody says, I am choosing you and I'm putting you on the wall. Like, that matters. And people forget. Like, I know, I remember how great it was to be able to shoot. My, I can remember my first memory card when we shot it and it was more than 36 frames. I'm not saying that one gig, that one gig card had a whole lot more than 36 frames on it, but it was not, I was not limited to a single roll. And I remember how freeing that was. But I also remember missing the print. Like being, having to only print what I wanted versus being able to print them all. Like we had a chest in my grandma's house. Uh, still do for that matter. That is like all the pictures in our life. And the, and the, one of the saddest things to me is that there are no random envelopes with 36 random photos from a roll of film in it. Like there's a, there's a date point where that stops happening. And the pictures had to be chosen and placed in. And not just, you know, you go pick up the film, you go through and you look and yeah, yeah, yeah. I want this one for the wall. And then those other 35 go into the box. And they get put in the trunk. And, like, we don't have that. Like, those pictures matter, too. Like, the outtakes in the middle, they matter. Like, and we should have been printing all of those and putting them in the chest. And I remember the first time I lost a hard drive when my daughter was two. And I had been backing up all my clients' images forever. And I never backed up my own. And so, like, if it's not on Flickr, like, I don't have that picture of her from when she was one like zero to two years old like so like i have printed my entire Flickr account but like (laughs) i should have been and i am more active now about making sure that their random moments get printed like my kids instagram feeds get printed once a month or once every three months intensely because i want you i want your random shit to exist in our world i want your whatever you saw randomly to exist outside of Zuckerberg's Instagram. Like, I want it to exist for us for real. Do you use a service or anything for that? Yeah, I can't remember what the name of it, if it is. It's a service, and they send me a little black book with. Chat um, books? Yes, chat books. That's what it is. And they send me a book. And this is why I have two Instagram accounts, too. It's the only reason why I have two Instagram accounts, because the first chat book I ordered, half of it was clients. Mm. And I was like, I love y'all. Not this one. <laughs> <laughs> so. I had to separate my account so that I have a business account and I have a personal account. And right now, it's a lot of your dog. Yeah, right now I was gonna say right now it's most of my dog because my children are like, we don't want you to post our picture all the time. <laughs> so I'm at that age where I've got to figure out how to. I got to take pictures of them that they will trust that I will not put on the internet. So I'm like, but that's how I get my books. <laughs> like I haven't got one in a couple months because the children have been like. Don't put her picture up there. And I'm trying to be the mom who respects your body and your boundaries. <laughs> your, self, your autonomous self. You just need to have a private account where no one sees them, but you can still get the book printed. That's a good idea. Can you do that? Yeah. Yes. Bet. Done. 
Because I'm just thinking, like, I would, I probably would have felt the same way when I was a teenager. But now that I'm almost in my 40s, I would look back and be like, oh, man, I wish I had more photos of that time. I keep trying to tell my teenager, you're going to regret this whole mom, don't take my picture bit. You just, because I regret it because I was a teenager. Yeah. But I was also the person taking all the pictures. So I'm not in a lot of pictures as a teenager because I was the one taking all the pictures for our family. Which seems to be a, a curse for moms as well. I feel like yes. moms are so under-photographed because they're the ones yes. doing the work. Always. Always. Yeah. It's why I try to get dads to buy sessions for Mother's Day. Like, always. I'm like, bruh, trust me. She'll love it. And we're going to get her makeup done. And we're going to do the whole thing. She'll want it. How does that marketing campaign go? Well, I do two. I do one for the dads, and it literally is like, she should be in pictures. Like, like literally, that's the tagline that I use. And then yeah. the other one is Mommy and Me's, so Mom can buy it for herself. And I do the um, Daddy and Me's for Father's Day, for so the mom will buy it for the dad. And I, I don't market to the dads directly on Father's Day, because it's hard. I, I find that it's hard enough to get dads to buy themselves anything, period. This is one of my um, shortcomings in that I am not trusting guys to want this for themselves. Like, I don't, I don't trust dads to want this for themselves until they see it. Yeah, I don't. I trust moms to want it for them. I don't trust dads. Well, I mean, they have the moms taking all the photos, right? Yeah. Well, there. No, (laughs) I don't think the dads are like, "Hey, wifey, take these photos." I think it's mom going, "I'm going to take these photos," and he's like, "Uh." "Most, most fathers." I don't think about it until after the fact. Yeah. Like Jerry, I love him to death. He was in charge of video for our children. And we don't have it. (laughs) 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 We don't have it. We have very little. Because it's just not something that he thinks about. He's like, but then when he, see, like on my YouTube channel, which I'm about to revamp, I got to figure out what to do with all these videos of my children from when they were little. But my YouTube channel is like videos of my kids when they were small. And we look at him. He's like, man, I wish we had taken more videos. I'm like, that was you, dude. I'm the stills. That's my job. Stills. Video was you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, th- I see it with grooms, too. Like, they don't think about the photos or the powers of photos or anything else. Like, I think it's changing now. You know, I was talking to a photographer yesterday and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm getting way more grooms that are so involved in the process as they get younger. But like when mm-hmm. we start, first started twelve years ago, grooms were like, "Yeah, whatever, okay, sure." Yeah, you know, there's the the rare yes, outlier, but now it's yeah. more they're fully involved. They want to be there for the album meeting and all the rest. Yeah, of that. yeah. Yesterday I had three new client meetings, and all three of them were booked by the groom. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, really?" Yeah, hmm. so like, that's I, great. And it's nice. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like our our best friends. We shot their wedding, and the, the groom was a photographer. Like. And he was just like, I don't think we need wedding photos. Like, I don't see the point in them. And, yeah, I know. Uh, he wasn't a wedding photographer. But, but like, afterwards, like, uh, we delivered the photos. And he's just like, I was so wrong. Like, yeah. I love these more than anything. And I was so wrong. And I'd like, I think it, it's weird how that is with men. Where it's just like, eh, it's fine. We don't need it. And they get it back. And they're like, no, this is mine now. I feel like it's a, um, I know for Jerry... I, like, I have to make him get things for himself. Mm-hmm. Like, when it's new shoe time, I have to be like, okay, come on, we are going to get new shoes. Like, I, it's time for you to get a new coat. We're going to buy a coat. I feel like that's kind of a dad thing to let, let me make sure everybody else is taken care of. And I'll be fine. I don't need it. 
I don't know why that is, and I wish I could reprogram him because, like, he deserves all the things, like, all the time. I could not have chosen a better father for my children. Like, I'd be like, tell my kids all the time, y'all lucked completely the fuck out. Um, but, they went back to Jibber. Oh, they'd be all right. He just lucked in. There he you, is. You better keep that in. Now, I'm just saying. So, uh, they, they, they need to uh, value you over there, sir. Yeah. But uh, I, I wish that more guys thought about themselves. But I think that that is something that is changing as we kind of deconstruct what manhood is and masculinity is and what that should look like and how they should be caring for themselves. Like little things like this whole beard life thing, like the um, beards are now a big thing and having to take care of their beard and like buy beard oil and like get that all that do that whole thing. I feel like that is like one little drop in the in the bucket of them thinking about themselves beyond what they have to. Hmm. Like being like, yeah, she likes it when it's soft, but bro, you like it when it's soft too. Like you like what that feels like. You like the pampering. That you like this thing. So go get the thing. Just do the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I considered it a win when you know I. I didn't have to get on my husband about, you know, trimming his nose hairs. I mean, listen. He just started doing it out of himself. I mean. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Most guys hit, like, 35, <laughs> their nose hair just starts to do a thing, and they feel like they have to. Yeah. Well, he's very fuzzy as it is, um, and so if he doesn't keep the fuzz under control, it, like, he starts looking like caveman. I'm going to say, so, Corona's been uh, real interesting in your house, huh? oh my gosh well corona hit too when i was like when i was a redhead because i go between like red and blonde and so then suddenly i had like this like this weird color happening called my hairstylist i'm like can i just like pick up color from your house and then you just walk you just through through it so so cut to us like in the garage like facetiming her and anthony is like putting it all over my head and it was an adventure yeah Good old Corona times. Yeah. Uh, Jerry's <laughs> hair grows so slow, but he had enough hair that we were like, you really got to get a haircut, like a real one. Yeah. So um, our bar- her, our barber um, changed her entire shop. So she only deals with one person at a time. Like, so it's not a lot of people like most barber shops. Mm-hmm. It's literally just her and you. And that's it. So yeah. I was like, you can get a haircut. It's a pivot. It's a pivot. How has um, the pandemic affected your business? It has been a year of reschedules. Mm -hmm. We had a handful of people who still did their weddings last year. September and October were not as busy as usual, but busier than I thought they were going to be. Like, I think we shot maybe 10 weddings across the month, which is, we normally shoot every weekend in September and every weekend in October and multiples on the weekends in October. Like, the fall is, like, the gist of my year, usually, um, in St. Louis. So we didn't have nearly as much work, and we are moving things around. But I don't feel like the ramifications of that are hitting until this year. Like, we got through it. Most of our clients made their payments anyway. We just haven't booked really hard into 21. And we're still having to move those weddings from 20 into 21 and schedule around those for new brides and kind of balance it out. So I don't know that I will have a good idea of how the corona 
times have affected me until I'm done with 21. Yeah. I keep saying, if I can get through 21, I'll call it a win. Like, if I can get through 21 and stay afloat, and, like, I really just want to be even. I want all my clients to be content. I'm trying to be as flexible as humanly possible about moves. I don't normally get frustrated until they've moved their life. I have one client who moved their wedding, like, six times in, like, a week. Like, every, like, every at every opportunity, she was like, we need to move. I'm like, boo, you can't keep moving your day. Like, you have to make a decision. So, if I can get everybody to be where they need to be without it becoming a, um, a super dramatic thing, like, I'll be happy. I had a rough end of the year, like, emotionally. I just, like, I feel like I hit the corona wall, and I was just like, let me just roll up in a ball and stop most days. Although that was all internal, I'm not a crier. Um, but <laughs> like, screw that, swallow these tears, bitches. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I feel like uh, I started therapy in January, and um, I think that was the best decision that I've made is to actively choose myself. So that's been a big thing for me. That's awesome. So we'll live through it. I'm I'm confident we're gonna get through it. I'm confident that at the end of it, I will have a much more clear idea and be more committed to who I want to be as a business owner, who I want to be as a photographer, who I want to be as a human being. Like that is kind of where I'm at. I've I've gone through the whole woe is me part. I'm done with that. We're gonna fix this shit. I think that's a that's a really important part of the the whole experience though, of the hitting the corona wall. Yeah. Like you you have to take some time to wallow in self pity. Yeah. If you're if you haven't done that yet, you haven't done the pandemic right. <laughs> right. Okay. Or just life. It's just true. life. You in need general. to you need yeah. to dissolve into a puddle of tears yeah. and be like, "Fuck my life. What am I even doing?" Yeah. Before you can pull you yourself up, back up, dust like, yourself oh, off, okay. and say, "Okay, we can do this. I got to move forward." Yeah. When, I, when I took my coach yeah. training program, like everything was based around that, right? Like there's four there's four phases. You're going to have catalysts in your life that completely break you down. And then you're going to go into, like, it was all based around the life cycle of the butterfly. And it's like, you go into your cocoon, because when a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, they don't just, like, grow wings and become a butterfly. They literally dissolve into things called imago cells. And then those cells reform into a butterfly. And it's like, it's so, like, you have trauma or a catalyst in your life, and you literally just get into your blanket cocoon, and you're like, fuck everything, I hate this. Yeah. And then you come out the other out. side. Has there been any like surprises for you? Because you say like I'm trying to figure out, who, or I'm figuring out who I'm as a photographer, a business owner. Is, is, is there been anything that's been like, huh? I didn't see that coming. I feel like lots of little surprises, like this idea that I am like I as a helper. I feel like I'm always responsible for. I feel like I take on other people's responsibility for whatever advice or, or things that I give them. As a person in like 2019, I started teaching other photographers and working with them on album building and album creation and the value of printed images. Um, and I feel like I take, I used to take, we're deconstructing, moving forward, um, the idea that I am responsible for their success and being able to grasp the idea that Teaching someone a thing doesn't make me responsible for what they do with that knowledge once I've given it to them. It's important to me that people try. Uh, you don't have to do it forever, but I think it's important, especially in this day and age, 
for photographers to print their work at least once. Like you have to print it and hold it. I like I keep trying to get people to go in twenty nineteen my big thing was meet me at WPPI, meet me at Imaging USA. So we can walk the trade shore together and we can touch some things and you can get an idea of what I'm talking about. Um I met a ton of photographers at WPPI last year was my first one, ironically. And Ours I've too. Been, me too. Yeah, it was my first time. And uh, Imaging USA, I've been to a bunch of times, and I went and met people down there for the trade show. Like, I didn't go to anything but the trade show. And my intention was to meet people who wanted to start printing and be like, so let's talk about what your brand looks like and which printers are going to fulfill what your brand is doing. Like, your brand, your print partner is your partner. Like, you can't pick the super urban person if you're all burlap in, in, in mission jars. Like, don't don't pick that guy. Like, that's the wrong company for you. And, like, so helping people come to that realization but not taking it. Um, I, I tend to take it really personally when people hurt. And I need to, I can't take that. I can't take your decisions personally. And I'm trying to apply that not just to work. But to my personal life as well, I can't save you. I can't save everybody. I am not Captain Save a Ho. I just can't do it. So, like, save a Ho. Like, cannot. I got, I've tried to take my cape off in every sense of the word. I'm not Captain Save a Ho, not Supergirl, not Wonder Black Woman. I can't do it all. Just a chick. I put on my Clark Kent glasses and I'm a chill. And as a as an enneagram too, that has to be really hard it for you. Exceptionally hard. You want to help all the so time. So finding boundaries in your business and your relationships is probably huge. Very it's a very big thing. My um, last week, my therapist, she's like, "So we're going to talk about what you think balance means." And I was like, "What I think balance means?" She said, "I'm sure it's wrong." So we're just going to start with that. <laughs> she was right. It was wrong. But here we are. <laughs> She's like, we're going to restructure what balance means to you. It's like, okay. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But Dave, was it, it was Daniel, right? Yeah. Daniel Kudish, who said, it's not a work-life balance. It's work-life harmony. Yes. Because you can't balance two things that aren't worth the same. Exactly. That has really, really stuck with yes. me. And I think as, you know, as small business owners and people who are constantly, um, you know, reaching for the stars, trying new things. It's easy for us to get swept away just doing the business stuff. And then, you know, family and relationships fall to the wayside. And then, you know, we're, we're constantly going back and forth between the two. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really just finding what, you know, brings you joy and knowing that things aren't going to always be in balance, but they have to be in harmony. Yeah. She, this, it's funny you use the word harmony. That's what she used as a, a metaphor for me because I'm a visual um, listener. And she was like, it's a soundboard. And the you want all of the dials to be pushed up to 10. And that's not how it works. You build it and things are all at different levels. And that's the balance. That's the harmony. And not, it's not when everything is all perfect. It's where it needs right. to be. And so I am learning how to work my soundboard. I like that. So you're talking about this soundboard where everything has to be, you, nothing can be turned up to 10, right? Everything has to be in different levels. Yeah. What in your business is turned up to a 10? And what are the things that you are pulling back on? If your whole business is a soundboard. If my business is a soundboard, 
then I try to keep everything at a 10. And then I freak out when it's not a 10. And then I put all the balls down and run it high. <laughs> but right now, um, I feel like my client communication is where I'm trying to work on my 10 level. I want that to be mm -hmm. stronger, tighter. But ironically, that does not mean more available. It just means a more controlled expectation. Like, I don't want my clients to text me anymore. My phone is a source of stress for me. So I'm trying to put my phone down more. So I want to move my clients off my phone and into my inbox. Or if they need to text me, understand that they're texting me so that I will respond by email. Like, that kind of thing. That's fair. I'm trying to be very, very, very clear with my clients about my expectations for their end goal, their end products. Like, please stop hiring me if you don't want wall art or an album. I, I mean, I get that you love me and you think I'm awesome and all that great stuff, but it's not the right fit if that's not what you want to do. Like, mm -hmm. it's just not like, because then we're, we're literally sitting across from each other at the end going, first one who talks. Do different values. Yeah. I mean, like, and I tell people all the time, you can follow me on like social media. You can, you can get your Rikita fix in a lot of different ways. And I really, and I appreciate that you want to support my life by hiring me. But if it's not a thing for you to, um, like really, like if the goal isn't for you to get an album, but just for you to support me, then it's the wrong thing. Cause I still like, I'm 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 gonna be okay. Like there are enough people in the world. Like you don't have to hire me just because you like me. That's a great reason to hire me. But if you don't like me and you want some prints, this is not gonna go well. Right. So I, I keep I keep trying to um find a the try to find the harmony between the affection that I know people feel for me and, and that they and the warmth and goodness that people wish on me and what I want for people to like trying to find the the, the harmony in that because I'm never going to be the person who gives you digital files just because I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not built for it. I'm not interested in making myself that person at all. So even for weddings, you don't give all the digital? Oh, no. For weddings, we give digitals, but we also give them. So if they spent four grand on their coverage, I give them a $4,000 credit toward prints. Mm -hmm. But our prints started like a hundred bucks a pop. So. Right. You can get 40 prints if you want. That's how you want to tell your story. Or you can get, mm -hmm. you know, five pieces of wall art. Or you can get a 40-page album. Or, like, however mm -hmm. you want to do it. But you're leaving with something. Or, mm -hmm. I'm like, what'd you come here for? Mm -hmm. Like, we don't, like, I don't ever turn on TV. Like, when I, when we have meetings, I don't turn on the TV. Like, I don't show you anything digital. Like, I only show you books. Like, I only show you, I only show you books. I only show you stuff. So, why would you be like, so where's my USB? Did I ever once show you a USB? Yeah. Never, not, not once. I, could, I couldn't imagine showing somebody a USB. Like, that just seems... I'd be like, no. Here's this USB. Yeah. Look how beautiful this is. I mean, is. I'd give it to you on a five and a half inch floppy if you wanted. I showed you one of those. But that's it. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be five hundred of them, but you know, it's gonna be one picture per five and a half inch floppy. But I can't. Well, I mean, we could do it, but I never show. I never want to show to a USB. Yeah. So why are you asking me for a USB? Right. Yeah. 
And then why are you mad when I tell you the USB is 250 bucks? I told you. He's like, but it's, they're like 30 bucks. Then go buy one and download your gallery and put it on there. But don't ask me for one. That's not my job. Mm-hmm. So that that's a, uh, that's a hill I'm ready to die on. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a photographer. I create photographs. I don't create digital art. That's not what I do. When you have so many great stories from your own life to talk about what the power of print is. Oh, my. So I feel. My favorite one is that my parents have one picture from their, their wedding. One. It's a, it's a Polaroid. They got married under an oak tree in Forest Park in St. Louis, Missouri. And they have one Polaroid. They're no longer married. But that Polaroid matters to me because I was in it. They got married and my mom was pregnant. And I was in it. And so, like, this one photo is evidence that my family existed. That it was real. And that it mattered for however long they were together. That this thing mattered for that time. And, like, I'm not, I'm like, that is the most priceless picture in the world. So, I want your kids to have some priceless moment. I want, yeah. Legacy. It's a whole thing. And if you're not interested in that, I don't want to work with you. And then figuring out a way to eloquently say that without I'm coming off. <laughs> you are not oh, an asshole. I am such no. a, I have asshole tendencies. Like, let's be honest. Like, sure. I'm like, we all do. I, I, I try to be as gentle and graceful, but sometimes you just gotta say a thing as a thing. It's like I don't, I don't have mm-hmm. the, the, I don't want that blow. To not be what exactly what it is. Like the the goal is, if all you want is digital files, I'm not the one. And I've said that to countless people, and some of them hire me, and some of them don't, and that's okay. I'm like, if all you want is the digital files, you got plans for those, and you gonna do a thing, you would be like, it would be who of you to find somebody else who's all about that digital life, um, because yeah. that's not me. Like it's just not me. And I don't want it to be like, and I, but I, and I also have no interest in working with everybody. I don't want to work with everybody. I don't. And that took me a long time to get through to to not like be willing to offer a discount or compromise a thing or do this thing to get every job that came to the door. Like getting to the door is not the end of the road. Like that is not the end. Like I want the right people. Like, I really want the right people. I want people who think and want the things that I want as well, like, for my clients. Like, what's the point of doing all the work to do, like, ideal client workups and, like, we all this stuff we do to try to, like, market to the right people. And then we're like, throw all that shit out the window and this random person who found me on Google is good enough? Like, come on! Like, what was, like, why would we do all that then? Like, just... Pour all your money in SEO and call it a day if that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's a valid business decision. Hey, I know a couple folks. I can send anybody their way and they will happily shoot that wedding. They don't care. They want this. They want the two, three, four, five grand and they are happy. They don't want to do more. And I can completely understand the appeal of it because it's less work. It's less work. Do that. I don't want to do it though. At least not yet. I mean, ask me again in 10 years when I'm 50. My knees hurt if I care about this stuff then. <laughs> You'll probably care more. Right. Oh, I'm 50. <laughs> I might care a little more. I'd be like, ah, somebody just pay me. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, Dave, what's your thing? Give me the thing. I just, I love, I love yeah, this question. The only other guest we've asked this question was Zoe Jamelli, who oh, I know you know. Yeah, I do. She's wonderful. And I, I just feel like, I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like you might have a good answer for this one, which is tell me something that is true to you that nobody else agrees with you on, or very few other people agree with you. Oh on. my god, that nobody else. It is a thing. Nobody else agrees with me on. Um. Well. I have lots of things that people don't agree with me on. Like, LaCroix is the devil. <laughs> the devil. <laughs> My I husband know. will fight you. It's her I call house is LaCroix. Rakita and Fundy have a, an it's ongoing like, battle. It's white woman juice. I'm like, it's, it's what it is. It's like, it's like bland white woman juice. I'm at, I'm at I tell, tell him about drinking, drinking tell him white I tell woman him he's juice. drinking bland white woman juice. That's what he's drinking. He's drinking Karen sauce. <laughs> <laughs> So, what do I believe that nobody else believes? I believe that, and okay, I I think that most people don't agree with me when I say that empathy really is the only way forward for humanity. I don't think people really understand how vitally important empathy really is to our success as people. Like every grand big thing that people want to do with humanity, when you boil it down, it's based in empathy. Want to end racism? Based in empathy. Want to end classism? Based in empathy. Want to end, like, whatever the thing is. Like, and people will live like, well, you don't have to feel what that, you don't understand what empathy really is. Like, that you have this, most people have this very, kind of esoteric idea of what empathy is and what it isn't. And more more people are worried about what it's not and what they can get away with than what is required of you as a person to be able to move in a way that is empathetic. I work very, very hard on living the most empathetic life that I can, and that is a challenge as a person with two teenagers in her house. But it is literally my goal to be able to empathize and understand people, even if it doesn't change the decision that I have to make, it can change the way the way I let that decision affect the other people around me, or the way that I present said decision, the way that we move through things. Some things have to happen. Nothing we cannot flip a switch and make anything happen in this world. Like it's it's just the way it is. But the way that we go through it, I think can be way more um, effective if we are, if we can trust that the people who we're dealing with are thinking about us the way we are thinking about them. And that, that is the trust level that is literally at the basis of empathy. You have to be like, in my marriage, I trust my husband explicitly. Like my, my goal is to trust him in the most freeing way possible that I am not worried about me that I trust he's got it like he's I trust that he's got me and I'm spending my time worried about him so that he knows that I got him in the same way that I want him to have me and not have to I don't have to stop and worry about him hurting me unintentionally because he's got me like I know that he's not going to do this thing even not necessarily on purpose even in jest 
or even in an error. He's got me even in that. He's thinking about me even in that. So I don't have to worry. Like, I don't worry about, like, people are always like, you let all these things happen in your world. And you're not worried about somebody coming to get Jerry or you're not worried about. If you can take my husband from me, boo, have at it. I would be impressed. I'd be like, you took him. Look at that. Oh, shit. You took him. Look at you. Because, like, my husband is so focused on making sure I'm good. He can't see you and your stupid. He can't see this. And I, like, I can't see, I mean, I mean, I can see the rock, he's fine, but I could just see it and know that I'm still focused over here, you know. I'm like, okay. So. I feel the same way. <laughs> I've gone out with my husband and um, it hasn't happened very often. But People I've check him out and like. Women get and flirty, he's like get flirtatious blind. with him. And I'm just like, I'm just going to sit back and watch this unfold. This is going to be funny. And he does the same yeah, thing with like, me. Oh. If we go out and somebody tries to hit on me, he's like, this is going to be good. In fact, we went out one time and his friend was like, hey, man, do you want me to like step in and help? He's like, no, 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 no. Let's just let this play out. This is going to be good. Watch him get shot down. My whole thing is, and I'm the most gentle (laughs) letdown when guys like hit on me. I'm just like, oh, you're so adorable. I can't. I'm super married. Like, I'm so married. It's, it's, you know. That's what I say so too. Married. Super married. Right. I'm, I'm like married. so married. Really married. Like, really. Like I'm I, so I love married. When wedding guests hit on my wife, that's my when we're shooting a wedding together, and I watch like a groom's yes guest start hitting on her, and I'm just like on the other side of the room, just like, <laughs> just like that's what I gotta go up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. I'd be like, so, but you know who you should hit on? That hottie over there who's been looking at you all night. That's right. I'll you. be your wing woman, <laughs> but. I'll help you go get laid yeah, by somebody else that will be me. That's it. Yeah. That's funny. No, I yeah. just said So, yeah. It's been a, a, a gorgeous life. And, uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yep. What's Jerry talking about? Jerry, what are you cooking today? <laughs> Something about Put it in the microwave. microwave oh no! So my so we have we're we're having a bagel thing in our house right now. So Jerry went to New York a few weeks ago, and um, I requested that he go to a bagel shop on Thursday and overnight me bagels so that I would have bagels on Friday. And um, when he got to the place on Thursday, they were closed. They closed an hour early, new pandemic hours or whatever. And so I was disappointed. I was like, oh, do 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 do. Um, and he was like, so I talked to my sister about it because his sister lives in New York. And she's like, I'll go get Rakita some bagels and I'll ship them to her. And I was like, don't do that. I don't feel good about this. Don't do it. And he's like, yeah, she's insisting. And I was like, okay, let's see how this worked out. So she goes on Friday, the following Friday, she goes on Friday to get the bagels, which is a bad idea because if you're going to overnight them FedEx, FedEx does not deliver on Saturday. They won't get there till Monday. She sent them like FedEx ground three a day or something. So like she sent them UPS ground, not FedEx. She sent them UPS ground three day. So she shipped them on Friday. They were supposed to arrive on Wednesday, which is like five days after she's bought them. So they're already going to be stale by the time they get here. And then half of them never showed. 
So, like, she sent two boxes. And I'm sure that whoever, like, checks the boxes for whatever was like, ooh, bagels. And, like, just jack those. Because the everything bagels made it. But the, like, plain and the blueberry and the cheesy one, they never made it. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, some UPS guys had bagels and cream cheese on us. And then the everything bagels made it. And my daughter's like, can I throw these bagels away? And I'm like, I wanted, to, I wanted to be like, yes, you should throw the bagels away. Because um, <laughs> they've been here for a week since they got here. And it's, I'm pretty sure that that's, the what, that's towel, what he was right? saying. That's what Jerry was saying. And I'm like, it's a, it's a hockey puck right now. Like, don't. You gotta resurrect I it. I just, it is Jesus bagel. Man, look. It is the Easter bagels of bagels right there. It's super Easter bagels. That I think that's what we're gonna call them from now. I'm gonna make myself a t shirt. Have an Easter bagel. <laughs> so Rakita, where can people find you on the internet, connect with you, see your beautiful work? I'm Pinks and Photo everywhere. Um, there used to be two pinks and photos, but she closed her business down and it took her long enough. I was waiting on her to give up some chicken, Colorado. <laughs> she was, she was goth though. Like, I'm, I got a couple inquiries for her and I'm sure she got some for me. And I was like, I feel bad for people who thought they were hiring me and got her because she was like super goth. Like the crow goth. Like she was like really out there. <laughs> and I was like, so it took her a long time to, to quit. She quit like a couple years ago and I finally got the URL because she had Pinksit Photography written out mm. and I had Pinksit Photo. And so I finally bought Pinksit Photography so that it's not out there in the ether anymore. You got it all. I want Pinksit. I'm waiting on this old college guy to die so I can get it. <laughs> He's a college professor. But like when I, when I started my business, he was old then. So I'm like, bruh, like you can't still be alive. He's real old now. He's super old now. <laughs> like, if he's not 100, I'm like, bro, you were like 70 when I started this business. So, what are you doing? So, <laughs> so we'll see if I get the, the URL. I feel like there should be a more productive way than waiting for people to die. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Death becomes it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Angie, you want to take us home? Yes, I do. So, Seeing as business is an adventure, what are your field notes or trail guide for a clear path to a desired destination if you were to tell someone else? I would tell someone to, you need two guides. You need your heart guide, but you need a sound business guide. As much as uh, my business has been about following my heart and what I want to do and I hate the word passion, but passion of it. I am only still here because even at the beginning, I was aware that there were business principles that I needed to be able to exercise um, in order to stay afloat. So I would tell people, even if you have to outsource as much of that as possible, don't ignore the business side. Stay, stay focused on that, and it'll make space for you to be able to flourish in your heart. Well, that's a perfect way to end it. (laughs) That's That's great great advice. advice. Especially because we love the business. I like how you don't like the word passion. I hate the word passion. 
We all have these trigger words in the industry, and I think it's so funny. Yeah, passion and diversity. Oh. <laughs> Are you not passionately diverse? No, not at all. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into our show today. You can find a transcript of this episode and all of our episodes, as well as our show notes at businessasanadventure.co slash podcast. You can find us on our Instagram at businessasanadventure. We'd also love to see you in our Facebook community where we provide weekly free education for our fellow adventurers. You can find the link in our show notes. And finally, if you want to get a weekly, not spammy email from us with our favorite things we've found in the business and creative world, you can sign up for our Field Note Fridays at businessasanadventure.co slash fieldnotes. 